You're listening to the King's Church Podcast. Visit us online at kingswisbeach.org.uk. This morning you've had the text for the sermon I'm going to deliver, John 16, verse 33. Jesus talking to his disciples in the upper room before his trial and crucifixion. Uh, and he refers to all he said before and he says I've told you these things that in me you may have peace in this world you will have trouble but take heart I have overcome the world Uh, we're drawing to the end of a series which we've called the Christian survival guide and uh, if you haven't heard all the sermons they're on the uh, website available we've talked about trust that brings peace about living with the Lord, about provision through petition, whatever you ask in my name, how to find his way. Uh, Matt spoke about that last time. And I'm talking about when we face trouble and then we finish it. uh, The next uh, sermon in this series will be our security in Jesus. Last uh, Saturday, not yesterday, but the, the previous Saturday, I was invited to preach at, in Wisbeach at a United Baptist Church service, uh, quite a small congregation, but people had come from various local Baptist churches and they invited me to speak. Um, when you're preaching, you always need to grab people's attention at the start. So I thought, well, here we go. So I said, my text isn't from the Bible. What? <laughs> and it's in Latin. What? And it's from a Catholic bishop. What? <laughs> but it's, um, it, it came from a book I've referred to quite a few times on a Sunday called Priests of the Resistance, where Christian leaders under a dictatorship and fascism, uh, they have voiced their objection and has been a very costly exercise for them. One of the stories I've never repeated from here, and this is one of the most inspiring books on my bookshelf, Um, The history is that in 1943, uh, there was a a Greek Orthodox leader in Constantinople, Istanbul, who opposed the regime at the time, and tragically, uh, they hung him. But they hung him uh, at the entrance of the cathedral. And since that day, that cathedral door has been shut. People don't go in because... uh, the. Their, their spiritual leader was hung there. So move forward. Sorry, that was in 1821, not, 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 14, 30, not 14, 1943. That was in 1821. Forward to 1943, uh, the time of the Nazis, and the, the uh, present incumbent, uh, Damas Kinos, I think is his name, and he was opposed to the Nazis who were deporting people to the concentration camps. And he preached from the, his pulpit and he wrote letters and he got the wrath of the Nazi regime uh, on his shoulders. They were really. And there was a, the, the leader of the SS, the Nazi SS, was a, a guy called Stroop, S-T-R-O-O-P. He was so enraged with this uh, Christian leader that uh, he declared publicly, I want to go and shoot the man. Well, this is, was the, the uh, archbishop's reply. He said, according to the uh, traditions of the Greek Orthodox Church, our leaders are hanged, not shot. Please respect our traditions. <laughs> 
And it's that sort of calm confidence, that sort of repose, I know what I'm about and I'm confident in doing it, which Jesus was talking to uh, his disciples about. Um, he says, I've told you all these things, and he's illustrated the trials and the testing time they're going to go through, um, so that you may have peace. And in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. There's three words that I want to define there because we could get to the wrong understanding. The first word, we need to understand what he means by peace. We need to understand what he means by the world. And we need to understand what he means by trouble. Now, he said there's testing times coming ahead. So throughout that discourse, if you know the discourse with Jesus in the uh, upper room with the disciples, chapter 14, verse 1, he says, Do not let your hearts be troubled, because trouble's coming, but don't be troubled. Then uh, what we call chapter 16, verse 1, he says, All this I've told you so that you'll not go astray. The pressure's going to come on, but I want you to hold firm. And then here we have, he says, I've told you this so that you can have peace. So what does he mean by peace? Normally, when the world talks about peace, it means stopping something. Let the war stop. Let the conflict stop so that everything can settle down and be at peace. No more trouble, no more challenges, no more testing times. It's a takeaway. Take away the problems. When Jesus talks about peace, he's not talking about taking away something. He's talking about adding something to our life because it's a gift. Now, uh, my children are grown up, but I'm sure when they were younger and it was Christmas, if I said, OK, your Christmas present this week is I'm going to take something off you. I don't think that would have gone well. The gift is something that we give. And when Jesus says, I give you my peace, he's actually adding something to us. He's adding a blessing. He's adding provision. He's adding resources to us. Perhaps we won't know that gift of peace until we are in the storm. And until the, the waves are overwhelming us. And then we know, actually, Jesus has given me something that carries me through this. And what he gives is not an abstract idea of peace. What does he give? He gives himself. He says, my peace, who I am, I give myself to you in that situation. So he says, you're going to have trouble, but I'm giving you peace in it. And he says, it's, you're going to have trouble in the world. What do we mean by the world? Well, there's conflicting verses in the Bible. Um, we know John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That means the whole of humanity. There's also the world of uh, the nations where Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the gospel uh, and, and people from every nation, tribe and tongue will come into the kingdom. So that's the, the geographical world. But then John in his letter says, love not the world. And that's the world that Jesus is referring to here. And it's very difficult to define. It's... Um, <clears throat> 
that world is a world which instinctively rejects the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and the rightful demands that he can make upon us. Just don't want to know. And it's that world. And Jesus says, in that world where people reject because Jesus came to his own and his own received him not. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He was rejected. In that world where people reject God as revealed in Jesus Christ, you will have trouble. And Jesus said to his disciples, that's how they treated me. And the servant is not above the master. So they'll treat you like that as well. And as we've had illustrated throughout the service, it says, in the world, you will have trouble. Um, I preached at the Baptist Church uh, the week last Saturday. Um, I was inspired by Matthew chapter 9, and I was reading through it just regularly. And if we see the ministry of Jesus, uh, he does amazing things. Uh, he heals a paralytic um, and forgives his sins, but the result is people say he's blaspheming. Um, he associates with the people who nobody else wants to associate with, and he's criticised. Why does, why does he eat and associate with such people? Um, he goes into the home where a, a girl has died, and he says, she's not dead, she's just sleeping. Restores her to life. What do people do? They laugh at him. But he just carries on. And whenever Jesus was about doing his good works, healing people, restoring people, people appreciated it. But there was a whole section of society which were out to get him and ridicule and undermine him and actually uh, castigate his character. And it's that world, this settled attitude, which we as Christians still have to live in that will cause us trouble. Now we understand that the whole climax of the trouble that Jesus went through uh, comes into the cross. And um, he, he had previously said, um, you're all going to leave me. And that must have been a shattering revelation for them. And Jesus said, you're going to leave me, but I'm not going to be alone because my father is with me always. And through the political and religious uh, agencies at that time, every attempt was made to eliminate Jesus, to kill, to destroy him. He says, um, I tell you the truth, chapter 16, verse 20, I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. We've got him. He's out. He's eliminated. This, this false messiah is dead. But Jesus says your, your weeping will turn to joy because actually the very means of their trying to eliminate him became the means of their salvation. So that's why we rejoice in the cross. Though when it happened, everybody who believed in Jesus was distraught. But now it's a sign of joy and hope. And as they treated Jesus, so they will treat his followers. You too will have trouble in this world. The Bible says, don't be surprised at the fiery trials that they're going to overtake you. So we shouldn't be surprised as Christians when life gets difficult. It's difficult to um, 
pinpoint where, where is this attitude of the world surfacing. Let me give you a few examples. In this country now, if street preachers are too emphatic about the gospel, people complain and you get arrested. I've served as a chaplain in a prison and I'm aware that there's an undercurrent that is trying to remove Christian chaplaincy from prisons, from hospitals, from institutions. It's even suggested that why isn't there just one chaplain who does all the faiths? As if, well, it doesn't make any difference. We don't, nobody really believes it. And that's the world. Evangelists who go out, and we've got evidence in our own congregation this morning, if people share the gospel and people convert from one faith to another, you can be arrested. And in countries, it's illegal to become a Christian. That's the world that we're talking about. In countries, uh, I'm thinking of northern Nigeria as well, people will go into villages and communities and burn them down because people believe in Jesus. You wear a cross at work, you'll be a target. You'll be a candidate for leading the Scottish uh, Nationalist Party. And because you're a Christian, they will target you and, and ask you awkward questions. Other candidates don't get the same treatment. Now, that's the world that we're living in. And uh, Verity's already mentioned that Friday conversations, we were talking about suffering. And Paul, uh, Keith read, read the uh, list from 2 Corinthians chapter 11. What Paul went through physically, um, he was flogged. One flogging could kill a man. He was flogged three times. He was shipwrecked, he was stoned, he was left for dead. Because he embraced Christ and was preaching the gospel and wanted to see the kingdom of Jesus established on earth. And Jesus says to the disciples, I'm telling you before it happens, you're going to have trouble. But I'm able to give you peace in that. And a peace that the world doesn't understand. Because if you're in trouble, you should be uptight and anxious and distressed and distraught and hopeless. But he says, I'm going to give you peace that the world can't understand because I am going to be in there with you, sustaining you, strengthening you, sorting things out. My peace I give to you. Not necessarily going to remove the difficulties. But I'm going to give you my peace in it. See, on what is this trouble? We talked about it on, on um, Friday. And it isn't trouble that the neighbour has thrown their grass cuttings over the hedge and it's on my garden. It's not that sort of trouble. The definition is great and pressing affliction. Let me say it again. Great and pressing affliction that causes real pain, real distress, real grief. And as Christians, we were saying this on Friday, maybe we haven't experienced that. We haven't experienced that kind of trouble. So you could say to me, Clive, so why are you, why are you saying this <laughs> this Sunday morning? I'll tell you why in just a moment. This verse is very relevant to all of us. Let me to return to verse 33. Jesus says, 
I've told you this, you're going to have trouble, but I'm going to give you peace. But take heart. Now that word, but, it's an intervention. They, they might have been expecting something a bit more sympathetic, a bit more, you know, oh well, do your best, get through it, chin up, you know, if you're knocked down, stand up again, have another go. It must have been a, dis a surprise to the disciples that at the end of this, Jesus has said, I've told you all this, you're going to have trouble, but take heart. Be strengthened, be encouraged. There must be some reason he can say that to the disciples. How are you going to strengthen us? How are you going to encourage us when you've just told us what the future holds? He said, take heart, because I have overcome the world. Hallelujah. Just like the peace that only he can give, so here, when he says, I have overcome the world, what it literally means is, I and only I, only me, I'm the only one who is able and will overcome the world. None other. So if you're trusting in me, you can have courage and take heart. That word, overcome the world, if you know your Bible, you'll be very familiar with, with it. In 1 John 5, 4, uh, just, just, just read it. It says, who, who, who is it that overcomes the world? And, and we are called to be overcomers. Now, can I identify, we have a particular overcomer in this congregation this morning. I wonder who it is. Are you the overcomer? No, it's Fiona. Because when we were in the Salvation Army Training College, that each of us, every year, they, they gave us an, uh, a name for that session they're going through. My, my, my name was Soldiers of the Cross. So my, my cohort through the year, we were Soldiers of the, of the Cross. Others were Peacemakers. Some were Companions of Christ. So they came up with a new name every year. And Fiona's name was an Overcomer. Now that word, Overcomer, particularly when it's tough going, is a word that is relevant to us. If you read the Revelation, where it's describing the turmoil that's going to come on the world, 71 times John is inspired to use that word, you'll overcome. And that famous verse, John 12, verse 11, how did they overcome Satan? How did they? By the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, they loved not their lives unto death, and they were overcomers. Some people think death is a defeat. For the Christian, it's the victory. And their victory as Christians, throughout the Acts of the Apostle, through those early days of the church, their victory is possible only because of his victory on the cross. So it's, again, what was shared earlier in the service it's not about us finding the, the gumption and the strength and the gritting of the teeth. I'm going to get through this come hell or high water. It's actually his victory in us. And we only overcome because he overcame. And that's what the Bible says. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. So the picture of the cross for those who are of the world 
is a sign of we've defeated Jesus. And there they mocked and derided him. You saved others, yourself you cannot save. If you're the Son of God, come down from the cross. He trusted in God, let him, let him deliver him. And so it goes on and on and on. And they spat at him and they abused him. And they rejoiced. The, the world, the, the, that worldly system where Satan is behind it, rejoiced that they'd nailed Jesus down. But that very cross was the means of his victory. And he says, by that same cross, I'm going to overcome the world. And afterwards, the world could not believe that he'd survived that. So when he appeared again in the resurrection, they had to make up a story. Oh, somebody stole his body. Or even today, people have these theories. Oh, he only swooned in the tomb and he came back to life again. It wasn't Jesus that was on the cross. It was a sub. The world cannot accept that Jesus has overcome. But the world threw everything it could at Jesus in the most horrific way because they want God's anointed, the saviour of the world, out of the system. And yet he rose again. Sin could not hold him. And he rose again not to return to how he was before, but to something more in a resurrected glorious body, which we will all... Uh, sharing at the day of resurrection but the bible says because he was obedient to death therefore god has given him the name that is above every name that at the name of jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and every tongue confess that jesus christ is lord to the glory of god the father and so the name that was once derided will once, the, once, one day, universally be recognised as the most precious name in all of creation, the name. The name of Jesus. And at his feet, people will bow. Rulers and emperors and dictators the systems of this world, they'll have to acknowledge that he is Lord and he has all authority and power. We were nothing compared to him. And we'll confess, the whole of creation will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It will be seen who he is. Let me make it relevant to you now. We need to see now who Jesus is. We need to see now who Jesus is. There's an argument in Scripture about the greater to the lesser. Very quickly illustrate that in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says, uh, look at the birds, look at the birds of the air. Uh, your father feeds them you are worth more than those consider the lilies of the field you are worth more than that so he takes the lesser that's how God looks after the lesser how much more will he do it for you it also works the other way around that you take the greater and it applies to the lesser and it says in Romans eight thirty two. 
If God did not spare his only son, but freely gave him up for us all, how much more will he give us all things? And if God has done that to overcome the world in its entirety, how much will he give his peace and his strength and his presence and his power when you're facing what you consider your trouble? That's why he says to the people, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. When you're finding life just overwhelming, as we've heard talked about this morning already, Jesus comes. You may not be facing prison, as, as we've had personal evidence in our own churches today. There, there are people, families who are in prison because of their faith. We may not be facing that. We may not be facing the fiery trial. We may not be facing the confiscation of goods, but you may be facing some uh, attitude because you're a Christian, which does upset you, which does trouble you. You might find that doors are closed because you're a Christian. You might find, and we know, that families distance themselves from you because you're a Christian. In that situation, because he has overcome the world, he's able to give you his peace now. Let me finish with the last verse. John 17, verse 18. Or as is Jesus talking to God the Father, as you have sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. So Jesus came into a hostile environment, fulfilled the Father's mission. But now he says, I'm sending them out into a hostile environment. For them, I... For them, I sanctify myself. Jesus sets himself apart with that one mission. Firstly, to save through the power of the cross but then to continually save through ongoing provision of grace and power and peace. And we need to know when we're facing trouble, this is the Christian survival guide, when we're facing trouble, however we're experiencing it, we need to know that Jesus has set himself apart to be your saviour. Amen. Can we just be quiet for a moment? I will be still and know your God. Your God with me in the storm, in the tempest, in the confusion, in the unknown. But I will be still and know that you are my God and my Saviour. Father, we firstly turn our hearts and minds to those who are today in prison for their faith, for those around the world who are suffering real uh, testing persecution. Thank you that that promise is true for them. And we pray the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep their hearts and minds centered on you. And Lord, we pray as the early church did, we pray for a, a release, we pray for a, 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 a freedom. We, we do pray for a, a re restraint and restriction on those who are causing such uh, pain to our brothers and sisters we pray that your kingdom come that all this world's order will soon be over 
But we also pray, Lord, for our ongoing daily lives here, that we'll know the strength of God, we'll know the peace of God. We'll, we'll be able to not lose our salvation because we're finding ourselves being tested and we act ungodly. We pray, Lord, that because you overcame on the cross, you'll teach us by your power and by your presence to be more than conquerors through him who loved us and gave his life for us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen.